Amen. Well, we've been talking on Wednesday nights for a while, for a few weeks now, on the harvest, on harvesting. And um, I shared with you last week that as I've been studying and going through Scripture and really looking at this, um, I feel like that God's been saying some things to me about why people don't harvest and that there's more to it than just sowing seed and making confession. There's more to it than that. There's more to harvesting than just doing that part of it. That part of it's vital, but it's not all there is. But before we get into that, um, just a couple things. Encouraging you I'm telling you, something supernatural is happening, I believe. It's happening with me as I read a proverb every day. Something, I mean, supernatural is happening as I'm reading those proverbs. And <clears throat> we've got all year to get on board. And the more we get on board and stay on board and encourage each other in reading those proverbs, Really, some supernatural things are happening and will happen throughout the year. Everybody say, this is my year. This is my year. Amen. It is our year. And it's, I declare this, it's my year to harvest. Amen. Amen. It's, my, it's a year of harvesting. We are harvesting this year in our lives in every way. It, it, it's a great time and a great year. It, it, it's a great season to be alive in the kingdom of God. To be, to be connected to God's way of thinking and doing and operating. It's, it's a great time to be alive. One of the greatest times ever in the history of the world to be alive right now because of what God is doing in the earth. And remember, God can't do in the earth unless he has us. He said that. I didn't say God can't do something. I said God can't do in the earth like he wants to without our help. Because he set it up that we would be co-laborers together. We're joint heirs with the anointing, not joint heirs to the, you know, to the headship. There's only one head, right? And we're not, we're not the head. We're connected to the head. But we're joint heirs to the anointing is what the Bible says. And that anointing is what gets on us that comes from him that makes the difference. And that's why it's so important that we stay connected to that. So, I just want to tell you tonight, I'm going to talk about another component that I believe is so absolutely vital to understanding how to harvest in your life, in every area. If you haven't listened, if you haven't, if you weren't here, I just encourage you to go back and listen to these messages you know, you, you know where to get them on, online or on our app. You can listen to those. And I would just really encourage you to go over what we've been saying, what we've been talking about, because I don't have the time tonight to just jump into um, what, we, what we've talked about in the past. I'm going to touch on a few things, but then I've got to finish up tonight with what I want to say about the third thing that I believe is vital to understanding how to harvest. And it's, and it's so vitally important. 
But I want to say this to you as I get started in this, that I'm here to bring the truth to you. Um, I want you harvesting in your life. I pray for you every day that you're harvesting the things that God has for you. And in the teaching that I'm bringing forth in the last few weeks and, and tonight, there's, there's not a, I'm not trying, I'm not pulling on you to do something because you and I both know you can sit here and listen to me, but at the end of the day, you're going to go do what you want. Amen? So I'm not, in, in, in what I'm teaching, I, I mean, this thing is so big in me, it's huge. Um, but I'm not, I'm not pulling on you in any way trying to overly convince you that this is truth. I'm just bringing the truth. Then you've got to do something with it. You've got to decide that what I'm saying is the absolute truth. Can you say amen? So I just want to read one of the three verses we looked at in Galatians 6 last time. Galatians 6, 9, and I'm just going to read it out of the Passion Translation. <clears throat> um, Galatians 6 and 9. And it says, <clears throat> and don't allow yourself to be weary in planting good seeds. For the season of reaping, the wonderful harvest you've planted is coming. My harvest is coming. How about yours? Amen. Amen? My harvest is here. When you have it inside of you, then your harvest for whatever you believe God for is here. Because we need to be people believing for things always. It's not like, well, you know, that, uh, believing for something, you know, that's before I, I got set in my life. No, you don't want to be set. You don't want to be set in it. You don't want to be set financially. I mean, to be set financially is, is to have reached a limit. You don't want to be set in anything. Did you hear me? And he said, but it's coming. And as I said last week, due season is always longer than what we want. Correct? It's always longer. But nothing with God is instant because it's real. It's like homemade. Right? When I was a kid, in the summertime, I'd go to the golf course with my dad, and every morning we'd get up, and he'd cook eggs and bacon, and he would make from scratch homemade biscuits. And I mean, I mean I, my, my jaws get tight just thinking about them, you know, how good those biscuits were that my dad made. They were real small and real flat, but they were so flaky, mm, nothing like the one that comes in the thing that you bust open. You, you understand? Nothing like that. This was homemade, and it took time. And I can always remember, man, I wish those biscuits would hurry. You know, my eggs were ready, and the biscuits were still in the oven because it took time. It, it always takes longer than you think. And remember what you talked about last week? Enemies always working overtime to convince you it ain't coming. But who's to say that what you're believing God for can't come by tonight or next week or next month or whenever it, 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 because there's so much more to it. It's not just 
I've sowed a seed, I've confessed, and then I just leave it to God. That would be like a farmer sowing seed, cultivating a little bit, taking care of the crop, here comes the crop, and then just expecting the crop to be like veggie tails. You know, and they're just going to, they're going to come off the plants and just show up and they're going to be all stacked in the barn. Now we're just leaving it up to God to harvest our vegetables. We planted, we watered, but God will take care of it. No, it's not up to God. It's not up to Him for the harvest. You understand? It's up to us being in position in the way He's shown us to position ourselves and do what He's told us to do. It it is in one sense, but it's not if you're not going to do what He says. Because then there's no harvest. There's no, nothing's produced. Genesis 8 and 22. We read this last, last few times. While the earth remains, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, winter and summer, day and night shall not cease. Seed time and harvest, I think I said this last week, but I'm saying it again. Seed time and harvest governs everything. In life. Just like in this verse it says, seed time and harvest time, day and night, <clears throat> cold and heat, winter and summer, none of them will see. So seed is like day, harvest like night, and it'll never stop. Notice it was daytime today, now it's nighttime. That's never stopping ever. In this dispensation, what, pa- past us living on planet earth, past there being a new heaven and a new earth created, during this dispensation of time, that will never stop, neither will seed time and harvest. You can't separate them for it to work the way God made it to work. He created seed to be sown, but He created there to be a time of harvest, and we have to connect to that. We talked about natural and spiritual seed. I said last week that Jesus is the spiritual seed, and in Him are all of us. What He sowed, he, the Father reaped you and I. Can you say amen? We were the fruit. But as I said last week, and I want to just get into it a little deeper here in the next little bit, there's more to... to harvesting than sowing seed and confessing the word. There's more to it. Now, we're a, we're a church that has taught sowing seed and confessing the word to no end, right? And do we believe it? Absolutely so. It's vital. But as I've spent time in this and just looking at reasons why I feel like that people are not harvesting. I, I feel like, I said this last week, I feel like that we should be farther along in harvesting. We should be farther along in receiving the things that God has promised us. I just feel like I'm talking about in, in general as the body of Jesus Christ. We should be farther along in understanding the seed, time, and harvest principle. And understanding it not just in natural plants, but in the spiritual realm. We should be farther along, I just believe. So, I don't know about you, but let's get farther along. Amen? Amen. 
Amen. Let's understand. Thank God for what we know. Not, we're not downplaying what we know. But man, let's get farther along in this area. Can you say amen to that? So Proverbs 10.4 says this. He who has a slack hand becomes poor, but the hand of the diligent makes rich. He who gathers in summer is a wise son. He who sleeps in harvest is a son who causes shame. So, as I, I think that I said some of this last week also, we have to combine the revelation of sowing and confessing with working and doing. We have to combine the combination of that in every area of our life, no matter what it is that you're sowing. <clears throat> Where we have given and not produced, it's time to change. Remember, nothing is automatic. Nothing is automatic. No farmer's ever sown a seed and reaped a harvest the next day. And in the kingdom of God, spiritually, the Bible actually talks about the sower being overtaken by the reaping. There's a season, a time. But that's connected to our belief system of how this really operates. I don't know about you, but I like sowing a seed and reaping a harvest same day. Amen? Amen? We have stories of seed being sown in the Old Testament in Genesis where, uh, where, um, where Isaiah sowed in famine, in hard ground, sowed real seed and reaped hundredfold return in the same year. In the same year. So God is getting us to a place where our sowing is being overtaken by our reaping. It becomes a perpetual thing that doesn't ever stop. And God wants you and I in the flow of that. And I declare 2022 is a year of us getting into that revelation, living there and not getting out of it. Is there anything impossible for God to do? Nothing. Nothing. And the key to the success of what God does is am I connected to what He's saying and doing? When I'm connected to that, there's no end to what can happen. Nothing is impossible to God. Somebody just name me, just say, what, what, what could be a need that, that, that a person has? Don't, don't give us your need. Just what, what's a need somebody could have in what realm? Like a vehicle in the in the in the in the monetary realm, right? Financial realm. Is there anything impossible with God? Let, let, let me just let me try to paint this little picture real quick. So, Dale mentioned a vehicle. Let's say that you're in need of a new car, and you're really believing God for a new car. Is a new car? I don't care what it is. I don't care how much it is, I don't care how whatever it it appears to be, if there's anything in you that says that's impossible, that's hindering the manifestation. So so what, what I need to be standing for, if I'm believing God for a new vehicle, what I need to be standing for is what He's told me is mine in my relationship with Him then I'm standing for that. Is that impossible for him to get that to me? And and when I'm saying saying get it to you, I'm not talking about somebody just giving you something. 
It might be that. But you've got to get out of your thinking how things are getting to you. Let's say in the natural, you're believing God for a vehicle and you can't afford a vehicle, okay? So you're believing for a vehicle that's like three times what you could even come close to paying for. Maybe that's not where God wants you to start. But see, in your relationship with Him, you've got to get the details from Him. Can God say and show you those kind of things? Is anything impossible with God? Can God get over to you what it is that He wants you to have? And then He said, when He puts the desire in your heart, Psalm 37, go read the whole chapter, Psalm 37 says, when His desire is in your heart, then He'll make sure it comes to pass. But when what's in my heart is just my flesh wanting this thing, that thing, or the other, and I'm going to make it happen, most of the time, you know, those things don't work out, and they break down, or they, you know, they come and haul it away. You don't want that. We want what God wants, but you have to be willing to do it God's way. So God wants you believing in Him and having faith and confidence in Him concerning everything in life, and a lot of people don't necessarily want to do that because they've got it handled. I just say, no, I don't want to handle anything. I've tried handling too many things that didn't work out. I've learned a long time ago, I'm not handling anything. I'm doing it the way he wants it done. But what did it say? You're leaving it to God and you're sleeping and it's harvest time? What's going to happen? It's going to rot. Not coming in. You've got to be ready to work the harvest when it's time to harvest. Amen? And I think people miss it. They miss it. I think people miss it on both sides. That's why you just need to hear teaching like this so it helps to develop you into understanding how to position yourself to harvest from God. I'm not talking about your working and doing is a laboring just in the flesh. Yeah, it's in your flesh. There'll be things that you have to do, but there'll be things you do because He told you to do them. There's a difference than you doing something to try to make something happen. And I'm telling you, God's got the plan. He always has. So, we read out of Haggai 1 last week, and I'm going to end with with the, uh, some of the passages that I had last night, but, but I want to just bring in this kind of third element that I think is, is really key to being in a position to harvest in your life. We talked about last week the difference between natural seed, spiritual seed. We talked about how to see yourself involved in both and how important it is to understand both of those. But there's something that I think that is the key to protecting your harvest. There is one sole key that its purpose is to protect your harvest, and that's tithing. Tithing. So, follow with me in just in a, in a few verses of Scripture that I want to read concerning tithing. Let me ask you this. Has tithing ever changed? Okay. I got two no's. But how can that be answered? 
you know, what do you need to answer, has tithing ever changed? Well, what I'm meaning is, what most people think of with the tithe is under the law, under the law of Moses, that tithing was a mandatory thing. So a lot of people today, remember, I'm not trying to pull something out of you. I'm teaching you the truth about something that will liberate your life and position you to harvest from God in ways that you never even dreamed would happen. And listen, I'm not the one to dream up how you're going to harvest. He's the one that you have to be connected to. Can you say amen to that? But a lot of people, there are a lot of people that I know personally that are not tithers because they say it's under the law. See, now you're just making that a law for me. You're telling me I have to tithe. Has anybody ever heard me teach that you have to tithe? Remember, I'll teach you what it says, but when we leave here, you're going to go do what you want. That's one of the reasons I don't look at the books at Gates of the City, I mean the the tithing records or the giving records of Gates of the City, because I don't want to know what you do. I don't, I mean, I know a lot of people that, that look at them to see what people do. I don't do that. It's not up to me. What matters is, but, but I'll back up and say this. I don't look at it on purpose, but you never see us back off from talking about the tithe, right? Or talking about giving and the importance of it because we're here to teach it and, and to teach you to give you seed for thought to do something with, okay? But what I want to show you is tithing was under the law, and I'm going to read that verse of Scripture. There's many of them, but I'll just, I want to read one of them. Tithing was under the law, but tithing was after the law in Scripture, and tithing was before the law in Scripture. So I'm saying tithing's never changed, okay? And we'll see what I really like is Jesus, the head of the church, telling us that it's never changed. Leviticus 27 and 30, this is tithing under the law. And all the tithe of the land, whether of the seed of the land or the fruit of the tree, is the Lord's. And it is holy to the Lord. That has never changed. The tithe is the Lord's, and it's holy. It, 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 it's actually... Think about this passage. I'm going to quote this passage. Just think about this for a second. First of all, pray for all people, for kings and all those in authority, that we may lead a peaceful and a quiet life in all godliness and holiness. This is good and pleases God our Savior, who wants all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. What did he say to do? What did the Apostle Paul say to do? First of all, pray. First of all, pray. So if you're born again and you don't pray... There's something not quite connected to what you're believing in because there's so, min, there's so much encouragement in Scripture about praying. If you're born again, remember, I'm not trying to pull anything out of you. I'm giving you instruction. If you're born again and you're not a tither, and the tithe belongs to the God that you're born again of, there's a kind of a disconnection there where things are in the Word. Are you getting what I'm saying? 
The tithe is God's, and it's holy. It's serious. My wife, this will be 43 years this year that my wife and I have been married, and for 43 years we have been tithers, and we've never missed a tithe in 43 years on purpose. We came into agreement. She was already a tither. Uh, I was struggling tithing when we, when before, right before we got married. I was struggling somewhat with it because it was about money, and I was focused on money. And so... Um, we came to a place where we agreed that the tithe belongs to God and we can't spend the tithe on our bills. On We, we can't use the tithe to give it to somebody else just because there's a need in someone's life. The tithe is the Lord's. And because we've learned that, there's a protection that we have in our life in a number of different ways that I'm going to show you as I read these other verses of Scripture. In Matthew 22, <clears throat> I mean, because, because here's the thing. God is my existence. He, he's, he's the breath I'm breathing right now. He is that breath. He's the breath of life. I mean, my next breath is him. And he said the tithe is his, and it's holy, and I'm going to do with whatever I want with that tithe and be flippant with it? No, there's a, if I was that way, there would be a disconnection with me and God. doesn't mean that I'm not saved, but there's a disconnection in that area, same way with prayer or anything else in the Bible. Matthew 22 and verse 18. Jesus perceived their wickedness and he said, Why do you test me, you hypocrites? These are the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Show me the tax money. They were, they were going on about a tax issue and, you know, should, should they pay taxes? And, and so they brought him a Daenerys. And he said to them, Whose image and inscription is this? And they said to him, Caesar's. And then he said to them, Render therefore to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and to God the things that are God's. Render to Caesar where your taxes are concerned, but render to God what belongs to him. What belongs to the Lord? The tithe. Then, Jesus said in the next chapter, and I'm reading it out of the New Living Translation, verse 23, of chapter 23, 23, 23. What sorrow awaits you teachers in religious law and you Pharisees, you hypocrites? Man, he was hammering. For you are careful to tithe even the tiniest income from your herb garden. But you ignore the more important aspects of the law, justice, mercy, and faith. What did what did Jesus, the head of the church, say? What's the next, next thing that Jesus said right there? Three words. Everybody read it with me. Ready? Read. You should tithe. Yes, but not neglect the more important things. 
What Jesus was saying was, yes, you should tithe. People that say, well, that's under the law. But Jesus, the head of the church, said you should tithe. But what good is it if you're a tither and you walk out of love with people? He said, that's more important. No, you should tithe. Don't, get, don't use that as an excuse. But it's more important to walk in love with people. It's more important. There, there are other things. There are weightier matters that matter, and you can't use the tithe as an excuse. Well, I, I acted ugly then, but I tithe anyway. No. doesn't float. Jesus, the head of the church, said this. Then I want to read you this story out of Genesis 14. This is before. This is actually the first account of tithing mentioned in the Bible, but I feel like that in the Garden of Eden when God said, you know, you can have everything but don't mess with the tree in the middle of the garden, I feel like that was God saying to him, that, that's a tithe, that belongs to me. You notice he said that? We said the tithe is mine. Well, the, the tree and the fruit on that tree is, is, a, is a tithe to me. I kind of feel like that was. But this is the first mention of the word tithe. And what does tithe mean? It means a tenth part. Verse 11, then they took all the goods of Sodom and Gomorrah and all their provisions and went their way. And they also took Lot, Abram's brother's son, who dwelt in Sodom, and his goods and departed. Then one who had escaped came and told Abram the Hebrew, for he dwelt by the terebinth trees of Mamre and the Amorite brother of Ishkol and the brother of Anar, and they were allies with Abram. Now, when Abram heard that his brother was taken captive, his brother's brother, his nephew, he armed his 318 trained servants who were born in his own house and went and pursued, in pursuit as far as Dan. He divided his forces against them by night, and his servants attacked them and pursued them as far as, uh, as Horeb, which is north of Damascus. So he brought back all the goods and also brought back his brother, Lot, and his goods, as well as the women and the people. And the king of Sodom went out to meet him at the valley of Shava, that is the king's valley, after his return from the defeat of, uh, I have a real hard time saying that king's name, but you can say, and the kings who were with him. Now watch. Then Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. He was the priest of God most high. The, the, the Bible talks about him in comparison to Jesus being our high priest. He was the high priest. <clears throat> and he blessed him and said, Blessed be Abraham, God uh, of God most high, possessor of heaven and earth, and blessed be God most high, who has delivered your enemies into your hand, and Abraham gave him, Melchizedek, a tithe of all. So Abraham was already a tither. And because he was a tither, he was what? Protected. 318 armed servants going up against several kings and nations, small little nations, but nations, and the 318 defeated the nations. 
There's favor, there's protection, there's blessing. Now, let's read Malachi chapter 3. And let's see out of Malachi chapter 3 what we just read before the law, under the law, and after the law. He said, bring all the tithes, the tenth part, into the storehouse. What is the storehouse? It's where you're fed. About 19 times in Scripture, it talks about, it talks about the storehouse being the house of God, where you're fed. Where you're fed on this side of the cross, where you're fed spiritually, where you're ministered to, where the Word comes to build you and to strengthen you. He said, bring all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. And he said, try me in this, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open you the windows of heaven, pour out for you such blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it, and I will rebuke the devourer for your sake, so that he will not, watch this, destroy the fruit of your ground. That's the result of the seed that you have sown. What does tithing bring to seed time and harvest time? Protection and the blessing of God. Protection and the blessing of God. He said, so that you will not destroy the fruit of your ground, nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit for you in the field, says the Lord of hosts. All of that belongs to us as people that are understanding seed time and harvest time, understanding that the year and the time and the season that we're living in is a time of harvesting. It's time to harvest. It's time for everybody to harvest. And who's to say, when your harvest manifests, you just be diligent in your understanding of the things I'm talking to you about, diligent in your sowing, diligent in your confession, Diligent in your hearing from God and diligent in your doing what God tells you to do. And I promise you that God will make sure that you know what He wants from you. Because what He wants from you is just blessing you. <laughs> what He wants for you is just causing harvest to come to you. That's what He wants for you. So what he wants you to do is you being a part, you being a joint heir and doing your part to what he's already set in motion. Because when you sow a seed in his name, in the name of Jesus, you sow a financial seed, you sow a seed of time, you sow a seed of anything, I don't care what it is, he honors that. But he honors it as you're actively involved in seeing that carried out under his directions. Not me being the one directing it all, me hearing from him. So I've got to be obedient at sowing. I've got to be obedient in confessing over it. That's watering the seed that I've sown spiritually. I've got, I've got to be obedient in hearing from him, spending the time developing relationships so that I know what he wants out of me, and then doing what he tells me to do. James says a person that hears and doesn't do you boil it all down, he's a fool. Because if you hear and you think, well, you know, I heard that. That's good. It's gonna, God will take care of it all. Oh, man, that, that God taking care of it all thing has got to die. It has to die. God's already taken care of everything that his part is. 
Now we have to connect to him and position ourselves by doing what he tells us to do so that we can receive. It's a whole lot different than um, on the other side of the coin saying that, well, yeah, God showed me what to do, but now I'll take care of it from here. No, no, you're, that's a fool also. And we've all done it. You understand what I'm saying? I'm not calling you a fool. I'm, I'm just saying it's being a fool. It's being the fool to think you don't need him after you get what you think you've gotten and I, I've got this figured out now and now I'm going to go do it. No, no, no. He, that's why he wants you constantly drawing from him and getting from him what he wants accomplished all the time and not ever back off from it. You can never back off from that. That's got to be a way of life for the rest of your life. If, you're gonna, if you are going to be the harvester that he created you to be, we are harvesters for the kingdom of God. Can you say amen to that? <clears throat> so, and, and I'm going to end with the, this, Haggai, uh, uh, Halakai, that, that's, a, that's a new chapter. <laughs> that's a new chapter I created. Halakai 1. <clears throat> Haggai, chapter 1 and verse 3. Then the word of the Lord came to Haggai the prophet saying, I know I've read a lot of scripture tonight, so you're going to, you know, if you're going to do something with what I'm talking about tonight, you're going to have to take some time to read through the scriptures yourself and go back and listen to this yourself. You're going to have to. I don't have a lot of time, but I wanted to give you these scriptures in talking about how to be positioned for your harvest. That's what I'm talking about tonight. And as a tither that believes that, you know, being a, being a, a tither is one thing. Tithing is something else. Because you can be a tither and give 10%, but tithing is putting your faith behind it. Remember, you're not going to get anything without faith. Not anything. Nothing's going to happen without trusting that honoring God with the tithe is producing and setting me up for what I have seed in the ground to produce. And that's what is, I, I feel like, so beautifully described in this passage. So just follow this. So this is a few verses of Scripture, and I'll end with this. Then the word of the Lord came by Haggai the prophet, saying, Is it time for you yourselves to dwell in your paneled houses and his temple to lie in ruin? Now, therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. You have sown much and bring in little. You eat, but do not have enough. You drink, but you're not filled with drink. You clothe yourselves, but no one is warm. Like, it's just not enough. You're living in not enough, in everything. You've sown much, but you're living in not enough. You've sown much, but you're living in not enough. What did he say to do? Consider your ways. He earns wages and earns wages to put in a bag with holes. Thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Go to the mountains and bring wood and build the temple that I may take pleasure in it and be glorified, says the Lord. You looked for much, but indeed it came to little. And when you brought it home, I blew it away. Why, says the Lord of hosts? Because of my house that is in ruins, while every one of you runs to his own house. Therefore, the heavens above you withhold the dew, and the earth withholds its fruit. What I see throughout this whole passage right here is that they were spending their tithes on other things. That's what I see here. 
And in Malachi, in the eighth verse, two verses before verse 10, it says, will a man rob God? He said, you've robbed me. And he said, have we robbed you in tithes and in offerings? When you don't become a tither because you believe in it, understand, I'm not trying to pull anything out of anybody. If you're not a tither tonight, this message wasn't directed at you. This message is going online, and it's going on the app so that people can hear this about being harvesters. If you're not a tither and you want to harvest in your life, you take what I've given you, and you spend time developing that for yourself. But what I see through this passage right here is that they were spending their tithes on other things. And he said, so when you do, you're not tithing, and when you do sow something, it's like you're putting money in a bag with holes in it. Why? Because you're not honoring the Lord with what belongs to him. Remember, the tithe was before the law, the tithe was during the law, and the tithe was after the law, and it never changes. The tithe has never changed. So it's the same today as it was in Abraham's day. And, I'm an, and, and the verse I'll end with will say that. Then it says, um, For I called for a drought on the land and the mountains and on the grain and the new wine and the oil on whatever the ground brings forth on men and livestock and on all the labor of their hands. Then Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, and, and Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, with all the remnant of the people, they obeyed the voice of the Lord their God, watch this, and the words of Haggai, the prophet, as the Lord their God had sent, had sent him, and the people feared the presence of the Lord. Then Haggai, the Lord's messenger, spoke the Lord's message to the people, saying, I'm with you, says the Lord. And he said, don't fear. Don't be afraid. But the word of the Lord came, and the people did what God said. And look at chapter 2 and verse 4. Yet now be strong, Zerubbabel, says the Lord, and be strong, Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and be strong, all you people of the land, says the Lord, and work. Be strong, says the Lord, and work. For I am with you, says the Lord of hosts. Verse 8, according to the word that I covenanted with you when you came out of Egypt, so my spirit remains among you. Do not fear. The silver is mine, the gold is mine, says the Lord of hosts, and the glory of this latter temple shall be greater than the former, says the Lord of hosts. And in this place, I will give you peace, says the Lord of hosts. The people obeyed. They began to bring their tithe to the house of God. They began to do what God said. And as a result of that, he said, remember, it's not a money issue. The gold is mine. The silver is mine. It's an obedience issue. It's doing what I tell you to do in the word, putting your faith on it and realizing, man, I am protected. The blessing of God is on my life. Every seed that I sow in the ground, the fruit is going to produce. It's not going to fall dead to the ground. Why? Because I'm a tither. It's protected. Every seed I sowed is, is, is protected. That's why when you sow a seed in the ground 
and you name that seed and declare what God told you to name that, you're declaring that that seed is going to produce that fruit. I'm calling it a cucumber seed. I'm calling it debt-free in my life. I'm calling, you know, wisdom to know how to do and accomplish things in business or anything else. I'm sowing this seed in the ground, and it's producing harvest. And because you're a tither, you're protected. But that has to become a revelation to us. Now, I'll end with this. In the light of everything that we just talked about, Think about this in Galatians 3, 7. Therefore know that only those who are of faith are the sons of Abraham. And the scripture foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, that's us, preached the gospel to Abraham before saying, in you all the nations shall be blessed. So then those who are of faith, are blessed with believing Abraham. I believe like Father Abraham did, and I honor my high priest Jesus. Remember, when you honor God and you give the tithe, when you, when you honor God with the tithe in the church, that goes to him. That doesn't go to me. That doesn't go to the, just the church itself. It does to the operation of this congregation of people advancing God's kingdom in the earth. It goes toward that, but it's him, and that's where you have to see it. And you know what? Abraham believed that, and if you go read the rest of the story in uh, Genesis 14 about Abraham, he took all the spoils. He got all the spoils of all those nations that he defeated with his 318 Bad dudes? <laughs> they were some bad dudes taking over those nations. And they took all the spoil, and it, it was from the spoil, the blessing that came, that he tithed off of. Because the king of Sodom said, you know what? I just want the people. You, do, you can have all the rest of it. And you know what Abraham said? No, no, no. I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't want you giving me anything. Never let it be said that anybody made me rich but God Almighty. Why? Because he was a tither and a seed sower. But the reason he was rich was because his sowing produced, because he believed that the tithe belonged to God. That is one thing that I think is key that keeps people from harvesting in their lives in so many different ways. Because they're not believing in the tithe. Yeah, yeah, I... I tithe because I had to. Please. Remember, at the end of the day, you're going to do whatever you want. Amen? And around here, nobody will know any different. That just has to be between you and God. Because if it's not between you and God, and it's pressure and feeling emotion and all that kind of stuff, then you'll never do it. You'll do it for a while, but you'll quit. But man, when it's between you and God, and you start seeing the blessing flow, that's why it's the only place in the Scripture I mean, if somebody else has found another place where God said, prove me, tell me. But it's the only place I found where he said, prove me. Honor me with what belongs to me. You think God wants your money? No, he wants you. 
<laughs> if he can have your tithe, if he, if he can see you give him 10% and you see in the natural that it's impossible. That's why I struggled when, when we were first married. I struggled with it because I didn't see how I was going to be able to do it. But we did it anyway. Thank God for a wife that was taught the tithe in all her growing up and helped me to become a believer of that. And today, every seed I sow in the ground, man, my harvest is protected because I'm a tither. Huh? We're tithers. We're harvesters. This is our best year ever. Can you say amen to that? It is truly, truly without a doubt our best year of harvesting that we've ever seen if we believe these kind of things. So don't, don't just don't haphazardly take this word that I've preached to you. I'm telling you, I'm applying this to a greater level in my life than I ever have before because I will not live on planet earth where I'm not harvesting. I am harvesting today, tomorrow, for the rest of my time on planet earth. I am living here as a harvester because God created me to be that and he created you to be that. Can you say amen to that?